living a life of freedom, living a life of purpose, living a life of joy and happiness without drugs or alcohol. Welcome to the Beyond Recovery Podcast with award-winning author, speaker, and human rights advocate, Denny Wilson. Grace and Peace Podcast family, and welcome to another edition of Beyond Recovery. I am your more than gracious host, Dynamic Denny Wilson, aka the Dope Healer, whom after 19 years of continuous drug and alcohol abuse, starting at the age of six, have discovered the secrets to sobriety and long-term recovery. This podcast is dedicated to provide you, our faithful listeners, with everything needed to overcome addiction for yourself, your family members, and whole communities. I'm super excited today. In the studio, we are going to take a look at addiction and talk about some other issues because life isn't just about addiction. Addiction is about life. Not saying that addiction is life, but when you remove all of the things that make up addiction, if you take out those things, addiction is nothing more than signs and symptoms of much deeper rooted problems. And the reason I'm so excited today is because I have two guests in the studio. We're going to hear, we're going to talk about, we are going to chop it up with a millennial. Come on, give it up for the millennial. What's up? I'm in the building. We're going to give it up for the Gen Zer who is in the building. Top of the class. Here we are. <laughs> and of course, the Gen Xer, uh, myself. So let's get right into this. So honestly, for those that might be listening, and I really don't care how this conversation progresses, where we go into, what topics uh, explore. I've known you guys forever. Okay. And... Uh, uh, we'll start off by telling our age. I will even tell mine because I'm not ashamed. I'm 51 years old. Been on here for quite some time. I got more days behind me than I do ahead of me. God, thank you, Jesus. But at the same hand, you guys see things differently than my generation. Why do you think that is first off? You want to go first? I mean, I think, you know, probably has to do with a lot of different things. I think one of the factors is just the ways that we were raised. I mean, every generation changes pretty drastically, I think, um, moving down, uh, just in the way that they look at the world, the, the way that politics shapes their mm -hmm. lives mm -hmm. and the, the lives of their parents specifically, because the situations that each generation goes through is going to change how they teach their kids. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that is a big factor of why we see things different. Also, there's, there's, there's the fact that we grew up in the technology age. Oh. So there's a lot of these things booming and changing and society is changing so rapidly that we are kind of forced to see things differently or drown essentially. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. That's just a scratch of the surface. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know what, while we've got you, is there one thing that you know was passed down successfully to your generation? Based on your experience, it doesn't have to be that worldly view or anything like that. Hmm. But it was there one thing that your generation or my generation did pass down to you. So for me, so and I guess it's going to be different for everybody. Um, That's the first thing. My first thing that comes to mind. Maybe the fear of God. Oh, I think, and okay. I think that's I think that's important in you know how I look at things specifically for me. But mm -hmm. you know. And again, it's not something that's blanketed, passed down. You get what I'm saying? Sure. Like, it's not going to be every millennial, oh, I think the last generation passed down the fear of God. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that's it, you know? But uh, right. I think it's important, and I think it was successfully passed down to me, but I don't know. Okay. Gen Z in the building. 
What you got for me? <laughs> what you got for me? See, exactly. There's Gen Z in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Got a good point. Just false confidence. So I mean, no, you 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 are you are fine. So don't I mean, try to hype me up now. <laughs> a little too late. <laughs> so I mean, honestly, let's 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 talk about what we just talked about. Is there is there one thing that the generation prior to you has passed down? That you know for sure. I I like the talking point about technology. And I think, um, I mean, you have a brother that, you know, I, I tried to play a joke on the other day. I actually handed him a piece of technology from the 90s and asked him if he knew what it was. And, um, yeah. It was a pager. Um, a, a, and he did know what it was. So kudos to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's better, I guess. Okay. So, no, it, 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 the first thing that comes to mind when you think of passing something down or carrying something over from the generation before you? I wouldn't say not necessarily any of the technology or technological knowledge was passed down or even from the millennial generation to Gen X or Gen Z rather. Mm -hmm. I would say it was more of a guiding sort of morality sort of thing mm. we walk so you could run literally we use walkman so you could use your phone <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was a nice step actually gen x was rather the one to pass down more knowledge about technology to really? me than the millennials were really in all honesty especially safety on the internet do you have a stop the cat button <laughs> stop the cat <laughs> okay, you know what that thank you Thank you. Can, well, can you give me an example? I mean, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you say when you make a statement like that? Because that is a very bold like statement. It it mostly pertains to the image of yourself that you put out on the internet, and that mm. everything on the internet is there, mm. and that most of the time you can't get things back from the internet. Mm. Yes, the There's, internet is definitely written in ink, permanent ink, but. You know, you remember my generation, we we kind of learned that the hard way. It set the precedence for future ge generations to understand that. So thank you, being a Gen Zer, knowing that. <laughs> um, because, again, we learned that the hard way. But at the same time, we didn't even, we got introduced to the Internet. Mm -hmm. You know, I and, and I joke about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and I joke about it all the time that, you know, I have this email that I still use that when email first came out and a coworker of mine at the time had to set that up for me. And I didn't even know what email was or how to utilize it. And I still have that to this day. And it's funny. And it's one of those character or um, character descriptive, you know, uh, emails. And um, every time I use that as, for my junk mail now, um, I'm reminded of just how far we have come you know, even in my short lifetime. So I can only imagine some of the things that you guys are going to see before you get to my age. Oh, man, I hope I see flying cars. <laughs> flying <laughs> At cars. At the very least. I, You know, I, I think I saw a couple of videos where, you know, they were flying in cars. I'm going to tell you this yeah. right now. It would be weird. It would be weird for me to see flying cars because, like, growing up watching stuff like the Jetsons is, like, something as a kid that you're like, wow, maybe this could happen. And now you see all this technology rapidly coming out from AI to the advancement of, you know, electric vehicles, etc. And it's like, wow, if we keep going at this same pace, maybe in, if I am alive in 50 years, we could actually see flying cars. I don't know. You know, I don't know. But at the... 
the exponential level that technology is growing. It's so, always a maybe. So I, um, you know, and, and along that topic, you know, I, I'm that guy that went from the 8-track tape and the players in the car um, to the cassette players to CDs to being able to plug in iPhones or iPads, iPods. Mm -hmm. yeah, the iPods, the i whatever, the Zoom, the i whatever, yeah, Zoom, <laughs> absolutely, and 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 we now, and now Bluetooth, which just blows me away. But you're talking to a person that didn't understand how fax machines worked. And do you guys have you guys ever even seen a fax machine? I have, not I like a just fax machine. It was always a fax printer. Yeah, that's true. It's always a combo. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so you know what. Let's get into and dive into addiction. From your perspective, what was the biggest in regards to drug addiction and the community and impact? What have you been witness to then or now for your generation as opposed to what trends have you seen as far as drug addiction? What do you mean by that? I grew up in a crack era, you know, during the crack era. Um, prior oh. to that, you know, not only that, you know, it was okay. Marijuana was really um, prevalent, you know, in society at the time. Cocaine was huge, you know, from Hollywood all the way down to those who uh, pictured themselves as, do we even use the term yuppie anymore? Never heard it, so no. I have heard it, but no, okay. I, don't, okay. I don't think uh, it's so that, I mean, that's just an example, you know, and, you know, all of those trends, I mean, even from the LSD and um, the heroin back into the pre-70s, um, there were changes in drug of choice. And not only drug of choice, but drug of preference. You know, what people were preferring to use based upon what was sociably acceptable or sociably popular at the time, I can say. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, what was... You said you grew up in a crack era. Mm -hmm. So at that time, I'm guessing crack was just essentially readily available, pretty cheap. People could get their hands on it, and it blew up. Oh, absolutely. So when I got out of high school, actually, while I was still in high school, is when I started to see uh, the emergence of pills. Okay. What year was it? Uh, let's say, I want to say I started seeing it around my 10th grade year, so 2009. Okay. Maybe 2009. And, um, because I'm, I'm 28, graduated in 2011. Mm -hmm. Uh, so 2009, I want to say that's when I started noticing it. Like, mm -hmm. was actively like, okay, I can see this going around. Or you were going conscious around. of I was conscious okay. of it happening. Right. And so, at first, it was, uh, I want to say it started with people doing stuff like trading around their Adderalls, which were their prescribed mm -hmm. pills, their Ritalins, or stuff like this. So I think I think that, um, and this is not to say anything, I think mental health is very important. So, you know, some people sure. need these things. But, obviously, for kids that age, they're going to be curious, mm -hmm. you know? And some kids are going to be out for a quick buck. So they're not worried about what their doctor tells them they need to take. They're worried about, hey, I can sell this for such and such amount of money. Mm -hmm. You know, quick buck, that ends up turning average little Johnny into, you know, now addicted to whatever Adderall, Percocets, Xanax, whatever the case may be. Right. And that th those addictions, you see those carry on after high school. Mm -hmm. And that started, there was a whole, like, pill pandemic, I guess you could sure. say, in the area for, for as long as I... As long as I was in the area, like there was, it was always going on. 
And then, you know, a couple of years after that, when I started working in sales more in Wilmington, I start. I was actually introduced through to some heroin addicts through work. Geographically, for the listeners, let them know where you're talking about. So when I'm talking about Newark or Wilmington, I'm talking about Delaware. Uh, I was about 30 to 45 minutes south of uh, Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. So I'm referring to Delaware state right below Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Very small. First state. Hey. <laughs> um, but in Wilmington, it's uh, northern Delaware. It's the worst, I would say, area financially. Um, it's just historically poor, I guess, these days. You definitely see problems with heroin up there. And the crazy thing is some of these people that are addicted to heroin, they're inspired. They're super inspiring. Like these people have extreme hard worth eth work mm -hmm. ethics are very charismatic. And it's like you can see that the one thing weighing them down is their addiction. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And it's like... Um, but uh, one of my friends, Hayden, is, you know, I had a friend, you know, he was going through some issues and he he ended up kicking it. And like, Excellent. you can see him just continue to grow and grow. And it's, mm -hmm. it's good to see, especially when, you know, knowing as I, as I met him, the situation and the circumstances that he was going through and to see him kind of build himself, change and continue to grow is just, is awesome. So, Excellent. but yeah, as far as trends, I'd say on the East Coast, at least where I was around pills and opiates. Starting around 96, 97. I mean, most likely. Okay. Yeah. So, and it's interesting that you would put it out there about the dedication and hard work and loyalty that people who are in recovery uh, show their employers. Because um, statistically, 92% of those who are in recovery that are given an opportunity of a good job to where they can make a livable wage, take care of themselves, remain faithful to that employer for more than a period of 18 months, which is great you know we were able to work with a lot of employers here locally and one gentleman comes to mind that came through our program um, successfully completed about two weeks prior to we got him a job at a local car dealership he always wanted to detail cars that was his dream was, well it's not it's not my dream to open a car dealership or a car detail shop but i want to detail cars for somebody so we got him a job at a car dealership he, uh, he went from a lot porter, cleaning the cars off, making sure that they were presentable, to now the department manager eight years later, responsible for all of the detailing, making sure that these cars come off pristine. I mean, all the responsibilities of making sure that when you go to purchase a new or used car, that you can't tell that it's ever been soiled. So that's just one success story. But I want to talk about with my Gen Z guy here. What were you witness to as far as um, drug trends, um, addiction trends, recovery trends? You know, what was your experience going to school? Because you're, you're what, maybe two years out of high school now? Yeah, two years. Okay. The, the thing is, there, there weren't many in high school. I don't know if it was who I hung out with, or, but I didn't firsthand or hear about anything as even bad as pills uh, going around in the school. However, I did hear about some people who near the end of high school would just kind of give it all up and just kind of, they would go out and do either heroin, meth, try cocaine, things like that. And uh, I wouldn't say that anything has really come up as far as this is socially acceptable. This is like the new norm Good. for hard drugs yeah mm -hmm. right it's amazing yeah but um i'd say what we have now 
that our my generation I have noticed actually looks up to is Gen X and pill popping has mm. actually romanticized recently. Uh, popping pills, doing whatever you can. Well, do you think? Do you think that your generation is more susceptible to? to lyrics about drugs and drug use than previous generations? I think absolutely, because, again, we grew up with uh, our older brothers and siblings and even pop culture where that with that kind of behavior, rather, was acceptable. Like, again, or, romanticized. Yeah, again, right. yeah, romanticized. That's it, and, that, and that's interesting, because looking back, I can remember, you know, especially when it came to pills, those things of that nature that were popular that as a kid, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, I did look up to those people that were doing, um, that were supplying, that were partake, partaking in. You know, if, if you had any kind of problem, and this hasn't changed much, if you had any kind of problem, uh, whether it be you needed to speed up or slow down, you needed to lose weight, gain weight, you popped a pill. And Nine times out of ten, that pill didn't belong to you. And that was just a part of society. You were getting it from somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I can see how that kind of transitions over to some of the other challenges that we've had along the lines of addiction, addiction recovery, and what is popular out there. But it, it, it's really refreshing to hear such a young person say that, you know, that stuff's not cool, you know, and leave it at that. Even with a little romanticizing, did I say that word right? Romanticizing. I think you forgot a T in there. Romanticizing. Ah, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> if you say it fast enough, people won't notice. Romanticizing. Okay, um, that was worse somehow. Yeah, that was. <laughs> no, yeah, I think it was no, the C. Yeah, the hard C. Even with people looking up to, <laughs> or 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 creating some value around a drug, and what that tells me is that. This generation, the Generation Z, which I hope will pass down to the following generation, is that we're socially conscious of what harms us. Right. And we're not going to stand for it. And just like anything else that threatens myself or society, we're going to speak up about it. Because that's what that's how I view Generation Z, to be completely honest. You know, we're not going to take it. You know, if it looks Generation like a threat. Yeah, if it looks like a threat, if it sounds like a threat, if it's going to hurt, harm in any way, shape, or form, anyone, we're going to attack it. You know, we're going to make sure that there's a reason why it's even in existence. What do you think? I think it's it's a little bit of that. In Gen Z, it's mostly spite. <laughs> Just spite. Spite? Okay. Pure spite is running Gen Z. Oh, good. I, and no, that's okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that you put that out there because, you know, I, I can be mis, you know, I, my misconceptions could be just from my personal observations of people that are closest to me, you know, or what you see on social media. And I really want those that tune into the show to understand not only the impact of drugs and alcohol and some solution behind that, but also the contributing factors. And if spite, which is a form of resentment, which is a form of anger, you know, maybe we ought to take a better look at how that can somehow build a relationship with addiction behavior. So, okay, in the studio, my man T, 28-year-old, 
in the studio, my main man, Jay. What up? Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. I, I want to carry on this conversation. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. So let's let's plan on a part two. Part two. And um, for those of you guys that are listening, this and so much more is unpacked in a lot of the material that is available to you. Um, in my book, F. Heroin Keys to Winning on the Addiction Battlefield. It is available at www.books.dennymwilson.com. And just so once again, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want this information, if you need help with anything, make sure that you reach out. My name is Dynamic Denny Wilson, a.k.a. The Dope Healer. It has been my pleasure. So let's get up. Let's get out. Let's go get it. God bless.